Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated, Pastor. Amen. What a blessing. Would you open your precious Bible this morning, the book of Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew. Amen. I'm glad we have. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you've received the greatest gift. But you know what? He keeps giving gifts, doesn't he? And um, I hope we recognize them. And again, we want to tell you how delighted we are to be able to share this Christmas Eve with you this morning and uh, thankful for what all the Lord has done. All of us are going to have a very, very Merry Christmas. Amen? And uh, I thank God for that. Matthew chapter 1. Let's begin reading with verse number 18. Verse number 18. Uh, The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was born on this wise. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord by the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted, God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us this morning. I pray you'll speak to our hearts. And again, our hearts are overjoyed for this season and for what you mean to us and what you've given us. And Lord, I pray you'll help us. Uh, yes, uh, you're to be praised forever. And again, we ask you'll bless. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's a lot said here. Um, Matthew, we normally read Luke chapter 2 uh, during the Christmas story. And we've preached out of that passage for several weeks. But this morning, I wanted to bring out Matthew chapter 1. And uh, I think there's some interesting things here. Let's just look at the humanity of things. And let's just be, we're all adults in here, and let's think about this a moment. When you think about this Christmas season, you think about what all Mary and Joseph had to overcome. I want you to think about it. What did it look like? What did it look like? I'm going to tell you what it looked like. It looked like Mary had had a child at a wedlock. That's what it looked like. Right? Be honest. Looked like Mary had a child at a wedlock. By the way, God knew this. That's why He prepared Joseph. He prepared Mary. And uh, I love this. I love this. And and to be honest, as I was just studying and reading this passage of scripture, I love how the wisdom of Joseph. He said he was going to put her away privily. Can I give a little bit of life lesson here? Privily. In other words. He was going to do it very discreetly. He was going to do it without a lot of noise, without a lot. Now listen to me. He knew the truth. 
But that didn't mean he was going to go around talking about it all the time and shouting things and making other things. And Look, the Bible says he, he, he loved her and he wanted to do this privily. I thank God for the wisdom and the love of Joseph. Something you don't see much talk about. We recognize the loud. We recognize the boisterous. We sometimes, even as Christians, we look at things and say, oh, that's the way it must be. But somewhere in behind all of the shadows, there's always truth. And I'm thankful that God gave Joseph wisdom to be privily, to be private, to be wise, to be patient. And God took care of it. Now, how do some people spell Christmas? Now, we know we live in a day where, you know, Exodus is referred to as Christmas. and Instead of Christ, uh, they are in fact leaving the most important part out of Christmas. If we talk about holidays, by the way, I'm for the holidays, but by the way, we're thankful I... I can celebrate Thanksgiving properly because I'm thankful. I have something to be thankful for, and that's Jesus Christ. And we celebrate Christmas because of Christ. And so I want you to know Christmas is Christ. And so today, and I know some of you are getting ready to go, Oh, no. I got I, I, This morning, I'm going to spell the word Christmas, and I'm going to preach an acrostic on the word Christmas. That means we're going to have nine points. Come on now, Mr. Robert. Some of y'all right there was okay till just then. But let me help everybody here just a morning, a minute this morning. I'm not preacher this evening, so I got to get it all in this morning. But I'm not going to be any longer than I normally am. Some of you say, well, that's still pretty long, Pastor. Well, let's look at the first one. Y'all probably could even preach this. And by the way, I just come up with this on my own. Y'all could come up with your own acrostic. But since I'm the preacher, I came up with one. And I want you to notice the first, when we think about Christmas, it stands, C stands for none other than Christ. See, without Christ, there's no Christmas. By the way, where do we think we've gotten the idea? Where have we gotten the idea during Christmas we exchange gifts? That wasn't just out of the goodwill of men. That wasn't just because someone all of a sudden came up with a story and said, Oh, we need to start exchanging gifts for Christmas. And we need a central figure to go out and give gifts or to bring gifts. No, listen to me. That is all copied from the truth of what Christmas is. Jesus was the first gift and he was brought gifts. That's why we celebrate Christmas. If we don't have Christ, we have no Christmas. And to many people, sadly, December the 25th is nothing more than a winter holiday. Happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. Now, I'm going to say this to encourage you. I was encouraged about every place I went this year and said Merry Christmas to, they said it back. They said it back. I was only at one place and I said Merry Christmas and actually it was Laura that said it and the woman at the cash register said to her, Happy Holidays. But other than that, at a waitress or at the store or whatever, people that we passed, we said Merry Christmas. It amazed me. I was encouraged this year. I heard a lot of Merry Christmas. 
But here's, by the way, I like all Christmas songs. I, hey, listen, I like Frosty the Snowman. Ain't nothing wrong with Frosty the Snowman. Hey, I'm getting feedback or something. And, uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with Frosty the Snowman. Hey, and uh, in its place, but I'm going to tell you all right now, give me a holy night. Give me a silent night. Brother Don, you sung, we sang my favorite Christmas carol, uh, Angels We Have Heard on High. Give me joy of the world because we have something to have joy about. Hey, y'all come back this evening at 4 o'clock. We're going to sing a song that we don't sing very often, but you're going to hear the history of the song this evening. And I think it will mean more to you after knowing why the song was written. But I say to you, uh, we, we look, and we're in a day now where schools don't have a Christmas break. Listen to me, it's winter break. It's Christmas break. Why? You say, Pastor, are you going to put a play on words? I'm not putting a play on words. Christmas is Christ. Without Christmas, without Christ, we have no Christmas. So first letter C stands for Christ. The second letter is H. Y'all got it? Y'all come up with one. But mine today is hope. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12 says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But praise God, because He came, we have hope. Now, can I just speak personally this morning? You say, Pastor Mark, have you ever been in a situation where you just feel like hope is lost? Sure I have. You know what? We're all human. God knows our frame. He knows our weaknesses. And by the way, even the greatest of men among women, John the Baptist lost hope as he was in prison. He was doubting whether Jesus was even the Son of God. And the Lord Jesus said about him, there was no greater man uh, born of woman. But yet we see the human frailty, frailty of human. But I want to encourage you here. Uh, and by the way, we've went through some years personally in our family, three years of a long dark night where there were some nights that we honestly thought there was no hope. We, we never thought that we would ever see what needed to be seen. The things that needed to be brought that for the safety and for the, for the, for the, for the right of people. I'm going to be honest with you. There were times you could lose hope. But I want to tell you something. Don't ever give up hope. Christmas gives us hope. Why? Because without Christ there is no hope. But with Christ we all have hope. Now think about it. You have to make that hope personal to you in those dark nights, in those dark times, in those nights where you can't get sleep, in those mornings when you wake up and you wonder how you're going to face the day, when you're facing something in your life that you absolutely do not know what to do and you're discouraged. Listen to me. We have hope in Christ. Christmas is hope. Without Christ, we have or with Christ, we have hope. Y'all glad you got hope this morning? And can I just say this morning, can I just say this? Uh, um, I'll just share with you. I was wanting, I just don't feel appropriate. I wanted to share uh, the Christmas Eve special 
uh, by way of radio on December the 24th, 1941. Now, if you know your dates, in 1941, December the 7th, Pearl Harbor just happened. We've just entered into World War II as the America, as United States of America been drawn into the war because Japan had bombed Pearl Harbor, killed over 2,000 of our men, soldiers. So the country was at its bleakest. It was at its darkest hour, one of its darkest, most bleak hours. And, and, and on December the 24th, the president and Winston Churchill addressed America. I've got it on video. It was about a 14-minute speech. Uh, uh, president Roosevelt speaks first, and then Winston Churchill speaks. And one of the phrases that amazed me said, How can we light our Christmas tree on this Christmas Eve? How can we for just one night and one day put away, because they were at war. We were at war. I love what he said. He said, because how can we celebrate the birth of the Son of God? And it was refreshing just to hear a president say that. He said, because of the hope that we have in Christ. The second letter is hope, H. The third is R, Redeemer. Job chapter 19 verse 25 says this, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Do y'all know that your Redeemer liveth? My Redeemer liveth. Listen to me. You can go over there to the Middle East, and they can take you over there uh, to a tomb, and guess what? It is empty. And the reason it's empty because our Savior, our Redeemer, listen to me, came up out of their bodily. He raised from the dead. And I'm glad that our Savior lives forevermore. He redeemed us. Now, when we think about Redeemer, uh, the word means kinsman. We think of this in the book of Ruth. It was uh, the kinsman's duty in Eastern usage to vindicate and befriend his relatives. Now, at the incarnation, when the Lord Jesus Christ was born, he became our kinsman. <laughs> he redeemed us. Now, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, first of all, Jesus Christ is our redeemer by power. See, we were captives. We were enslaved to sin. Hey, we were bound by the chains of sin. And listen to me, he came to set us free. And we've been freed indeed. He redeemed us from the bondage and from the power of sin. Now I want you to know something. If you're a Christian, you don't have to live under the bondage of sin. By the way, we've been saved from sin. But one day we will be foreverly saved from the presence of sin. We still have to deal with sin now. But when we get to heaven, He has redeemed us for all time. We'll never have to deal with sin again. Why? Because He redeemed us. He redeemed us by power. We were captives. And by the way, if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, yes, you are a captain. You are a captain. Uh, you are a captive to your sin. You are enslaved to your sin. The Bible says the condemnation of God resteth on you. But here's the good news. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
He loves you. He loves me that much that He paid our sin debt on the cross. So when He came, He gave us, He had the power to defeat hell and death and the grave and He gives us victory over our sin. See, without Christ, we have to pay for our sin. We have a payment that's due. The wage of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's the only one that has power to redeem us. I'm glad he has the power to redeem us. But now I want you to notice this. I love this. If you're going to be a kinsman, they had to have the power. But not only that, they had to be able to purchase. I don't know about y'all. I'm glad I've been purchased. I've been bought with a price. Y'all been bought with a price? I want you to know when Jesus Christ came to this earth and he bled and died on the cross of Calvary, that was, the, that was the purchase. And listen, that was the payment. And listen, praise God, when he raised from the dead, that was the receipt. He purchased us. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad I've been purchased. I'm glad I'm not my own. I'm glad I have a kinsman. I'm glad I have a redeemer. He redeemed me by purchase. Hey, and we find that all through the word of God. And of course, the most beautiful picture of that is in the Old Testament with Boaz and Ruth. That's a great picture of our heavenly redeemer, kinsman redeemer. When he, he died for us and purchased us. And by the way, he didn't take somebody else's life. He didn't take somebody else's money. He didn't take somebody else's goods. Listen to me. He purchased us with his own precious blood. I'm thankful for that. Y'all going to have a Merry Christmas? How about some of you tell your face right now? Hey, Christmas. What's Christmas mean to you? Hey, stands for Christ, stands for hope. Hey, I've been redeemed. Hey, how about this? All of us heard this well during the Christmas program. How about that I? How about Emmanuel? I know you say, well, pastor, it's spelled with an E. Yes, but it's also spelled with an I. Man, I tell you all right now, I was in, wasn't, wasn't that a blessing, our choir and the, uh, the play on last Sunday night? Wasn't that a blessing? And here's what's amazing. We don't know what happened, but our choir mics weren't even working. And man, I thought our choir sounded so good, I didn't even know they weren't working. Everybody online found out they weren't working, unfortunately. I don't know what happened. But you know that great truth, Emmanuel, God with us, and that's exactly what it means. I, Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew 1, 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. You know what? I just wrote this down. Number one, God. He's God. God with. You know what that means? He's on our side. <laughs> How many of y'all like to win? Y'all remember them old days? They don't do it anymore, I don't guess, because I think too many feelings get hurt. But when I was in grade school, if we would go to a phys ed or our gym class, you know what we would do? We would pick teams. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Pick team? How many of you was always embarrassed for the person that got picked last? That's why they don't do it no more. Oh, I tell you what, it hurts people's self-esteem. I just think it's a part of growing up. Hey, listen to me. You're going to get hurt a whole lot worse than that when you get older. 
You're going to have to deal with a whole lot more than that. When you get older, you wish that's all you had to worry about being the last pick on a kickball team. How many of y'all remember what I'm talking about? And man, I'm telling you right now, if I happened to be captain and a boy and I was very competitive, I wanted to make sure certain people was on my team. Because if I knew they was on my team, I knew we had a good chance of winning. Amen. I remember we were playing the dodgeball in the old, down in the little gym in the old Hinton High School. It was down in the basement. And uh, we were down there. Now there was a guy there. His name was Joe. I won't give you his last name. But we were seventh graders and he'd failed like two times. And he was a ninth grader. So he was bigger, stronger, faster than every other kid in that room, in that gym. And man, everybody, when we got to pick for dodgeball, you wanted to get Joe on your team because if you didn't, you could get killed. Well, one particular day, Joe got on the opposite team of me. I'll never forget it. You know, as a seventh grader, man, you were always nervous. You wanted to make sure you never got embarrassed and you always wanted to look cool, you know, for all the girls and, and you wanted all the guys to think you was cool and athletic and you never cried because you didn't want anybody to think you. And so, man, we were playing dodgeball and I got all into it. Next thing I know, I failed to realize Joe was on the other team, but I realized real quick when that ball hit me on the side of the head and about kicked my feet plumb up in the air and I laid on my back and I remember my face was burning so bad it knocked, almost knocked me out and I'll never forget I started, I was trying to hold him back from crying. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Embarrassed. You say, Pastor, why do you say all that? I wanted Joe to be on my side. Well, I got good news for all of you. If you know Jesus Christ, hey, God is on your side. Why should we fret? Can I say God with us? He's God. He's on our side. And then us means he's become man and he came to us. God with us, the virgin birth, God became man. That's amazing to me that he robed himself in flesh to come for me. Uh, hey, quickly, how about S? I got so many here, I couldn't narrow it down, so I'll just share them all with you. How about this one? Stands for Shiloh. Here's another one, the star of Jacob. How about the son of righteousness? How about the shepherds of our soul? How about our stronghold? How about our surety? Hey, how about the son of God? We could go on and on and on. And if you're making an acrostic, you pick one you like. Genesis 49.10 says this, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Aren't you thankful that he's our scepter? Aren't you thankful that he's the shepherd of our soul? I, I think about my little grandson sick this morning, and uh, he loves farm animals. Man, he's, he's into farm animals. He wants to see he wants to see animals. He wants to go to farms. He wants to talk about sheep. He wants to talk about goats. I mean, you would think it's, it's a million dollars to see a horse. He's into farm animals. And man, I thought of this. Uh, uh, he's the shepherd of our soul. And I got to thinking about being a sheep. God likens us to sheep. I wish he would have likened us to something else. If you know anything about sheep, they're not the sharpest knives in the drawer. They have to be led. They have to be protected. They're pretty defenseless. 
That's why the shepherd was always guarding them. They were always leading them. And I think about even in Bible days, uh, we think that the night that Jesus Christ's announcement of his birth, who did the angels give the concert to? Nothing other than shepherds. So when I think about our uh, December, our Christmas, what is Christmas? I am glad he's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When I was a little boy, I never understood that verse because I said, well, if I have the Lord, because you read it like that and you don't understand the verse, the Lord is my shepherd and I don't want him. And finally, I'll never forget one day when I got older, I realized someone explained, no, Mark, the, David's not saying that the Lord's my shepherd and he don't want him. He said because he's his shepherd, he don't need anything else. He doesn't desire anything else. And by the way, if you have Jesus, you've got everything you need. I'm thankful he's our Shiloh, he's our shepherd, he's our son of righteousness, he's our stronghold, he's our surety. Can I say this? T. Truth. John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Can I give you all some truth this morning? I'm going to tell you all right now. The way of the transgressor is hard. Can I give you all some truth? Stay with Jesus. Some might be thinking this morning, we're gloating. We're not gloating. We're heartbroken. Heartbroken. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you get away from Jesus Christ, you never know where that will lead you. What you will become and what you do when you get away from Jesus. The way of the transgressor is hard. Not only is it hard, it's pitiful. I want you to think back with me and look through our lives and let's look at all of the high moments in life. And There's people in my life that I look back at my life and I think, man, I seen them when they were so happy. I seen them when they had some things to rejoice in. I seen them in a different light because they were following Jesus and, and they loved the Lord and they were trying to follow Him. But listen to me, when you get away from Jesus Christ, the truth is that way becomes hard. Some people have this idea that pastors are always just telling people, stay in church, stay in church. Some people have this idea, the only reason preachers do that is because we want a full building. No, I'll be honest with you, it's because I love you. Look here, it's more than me caring about having a, an empty pew. Look, I've been in this thing 27 years I've seen the high moments in people's lives, and I, I honestly, and then I've seen the shocking moments, and here's what we say. How did that happen? Where did they go? What changed? I'm going to tell you what changed. They started to minimize Jesus in their life. And when you start minimizing Jesus in your life, you better get you, I mean, a bucket load of toilet tissue because you're going to need it. And some of these young people think, well, I'll not be that statistic. I can do it without Jesus. No, you won't. 
you'll end up broken too. Truth. What does the Bible tell us sets us free? Truth. Why did Jesus Christ come to this earth? Not that we just might have life, but that we have it more what? Wouldn't you want your children and our grandchildren, your grandchildren, all of these children that ride on our buses, what do we want for them? Do we want them just to have a good life? No. I want them to have abundant life. And the only way we can have abundant life is in Jesus. Truth. See, Jesus did not just tell us the truth or teach us the truth. Listen to me. He is the truth unadulterated, pure, wonderful, holy truth. He didn't just come to show us the truth. Listen to me. He is the truth. He didn't just come us to show us the way. Listen to me. He is the way. That's truth. The letter M. mediator. First Timothy 2 Timothy 2.5 says this, for there is, none, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Now, you know why that is so important to me? Because there are so many people today that are steeped in religion and they feel like they have to go through a human mediator. But, oh, listen to me. I can go straight to God through Jesus Christ. He's my mediator. What is that? It's one who reconciles two parties who are at a variance. I don't know much about courtrooms, nor do I ever want to know. I do understand in the world we live in, there's going to be people that's going to have variances. All of us have witnessed that. And sometimes it seems like those variances will never be healed. Sometimes that variance, that argument, that rift that's between people seems like it can never be. As in the sense of man and God. When Adam and Eve sinned, there became a great rift between God and man. God made man. He made him in his own image. And he know, we know that he told Adam and Eve not to eat of one tree. And out of all those trees, they could eat of everything but the one tree. Yet they ate of that tree. And when they did, they sinned and they brought death upon themselves and to all mankind. The rift was great. God, the moment they realized, and by the way, the devil told them some truth. He said, God knows as soon as you eat thereof, you'll be as God knowing between good and evil. By the way, he told them the truth, but I wish to God that Adam and Eve would have never known what good and evil was. He told them the truth. He lied in that too, but that part was true. He said, God knows the moment you eat of that, you will know between good and evil. See, that's what sin does. And the moment they ate of that fruit, the Bible says they realized something. They realized that they had a rift between God. God had been coming down and speaking with them every day and fellowshipping with them every day. And all of a sudden they had no idea. They didn't have any clothes. But listen, now all of a sudden they said they realized they were naked. Why? Because listen to me, sin, that's what sin does. 
The riff was great. Because of that, we know that God told him, Adam and Eve, because of your sin, you're, the man's going to have to work the rest of his life. And the woman is going to have to give to a, give a child. And that's going to be one of the most painful experiences ever to be able to raise a child, to be able to bring a child in the world. He said, because of this, the thorn's going to grow up with thistles and, and there's going to be uh, animal. The animal kingdom is going to be rifted even so great that the, the lamb can no longer be safe along the lion. There was a great rift. There was a great variance between God and man. And I'm sure the eye and the mind and the heart of Adam and Eve, they thought, oh my, there's nothing we can do. And then the rift was so great, God cast them out of the Garden of Eden and put a cherubim, put, a, put a, an angel there with a sword that they could never enter into it again. What a rift. But also in Genesis chapter 3, as God's telling them about this rift and this variance because they had sinned and that sin had brought this trouble between them and God, he also said in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 that I'm still going to make a way for you. Genesis 3.15 is the first promise of the gospel when he says, Thy seed and her seed. He was talking about the seed of woman and the seed of the devil. And he said, basically, what's going to happen is there's going to be one that's going to come and you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And that's what he did at Calvary. He crushed the devil's head at Calvary. And by the way, you know what he did? He became our mediator. So I can go to God through Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful? I don't have to go through a priest. I don't have to go through you. I don't have to go through a pastor. I'd feel so uncomfortable if someone said, hey, I need to come and confess to you. No, you don't. I'm going to tell you all right now, you need to go to him and confess. He's our mediator. And we can go to him and confess boldly. Why? Because of Jesus Christ, our mediator. That's what Christmas means to me. Hey, I'm hurrying. I told you now. We're, we only got two more. How about A? He's almighty God. He's almighty to strengthen. He's almighty to sustain. He's almighty to redeem. He's almighty. He gives almighty grace. He is almighty in all events. He is almighty in all places. He is almighty in knowledge. By the way, he knows. Here's my love. I love that he's almighty to save. I know what he meant. I watched the memorial service of Pastor Sexton, and they had the mayor of Knoxville there speaking, but they also had Tim Burchett, which used to be the mayor. Now he's in the House of Representatives. They had him there that day, that night, to speak. And two of the men that's on the platform, I went to school with them. They're, they're on staff. And I watched them as this man made this statement. And I knew what he meant. It just wasn't phrased like we would phrase it. And by the way, we should never phrase things like this. But he made a statement. He said, boy, he said, boy, thank you. He was praying. He said, thank you for all the souls that Clarence Sexton saved. 
I know what he meant, and you do too. But I'm going to help you all with something. There ain't a person on this earth that can save another person. Now, we can lead someone to that one that can save. He's almighty to save, not us. I was watching Brother Tim, the one I went to school with, and I, I, I can tell you, he, he, you know, when you're on the platform, you got to be careful. But I watched him. He was like, mm, it kind of made him, because I knew if Dr. Sexton was there, he would have got up and he would have absolutely corrected him right there at that moment. He said, it wasn't me. I'm glad that we have a God. We have a Savior that's almighty to save. How many of y'all saved this morning? Well, let me tell you something. He's almighty to do it. And the same one that was almighty to save, you listen to me. He's almighty to keep you. When you get saved, you enter into a relationship. And I'm going to tell you something. You'll never lose the relationship. Now, you might lose the fellowship. You'll never lose a relationship. And can I speak about that just a moment? You know what needs to happen this Christmas? There needs to be people just need to get right with the Lord. That's my prayer. Can I ask, and y'all just let this sink down and you answer in your heart, are you as close to Jesus right now as you are as when you were six years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago? Are you? You let the world get in your life and start to minimize the important things of life. And I want you to think about it because you know what happens is, see, I told Jimmy Horton this the other day, Jimmy Horton, the gentleman that just graduated from, I said, I told him and those guys have been coming, I said, I want y'all to know something. Y'all been personally encouraging to me. Can I share this with y'all and y'all help me? I want y'all to understand this. Y'all know why? Because they've, They've put a, and I'm not saying they only, but they've motivated me to preach with more fire. You say, why, Pastor? Because I'm going to tell you what, them people are fighting for their life. And here's what I told him. I said, it's people that's been saved 30 years, they're not acting. They're not, they're not taking in the truth like you are. Because y'all know what we get? We, oh, we got it. We got this thing. We're, we can handle this. We, oh, I've heard that a thousand times, Pastor. Oh, we're going to go to church today to hear that. And here's the thing. Those men, they've been sitting back there. They know, and I know, they're fighting for life. So they're hungry for the Word of God. And there's been times in this ministry, I've seen some of us more hungry than now. And it scares me. It frightens me. It alarms me. Why? You say, oh, pastor, I'm all right. Look at me. And I say this to you lovingly. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not okay. You're heading down a very, very slippery slope. So I say to you out of love, this Christmas, someone asked in the, in the Sunday school hour, Pastor Mark, how can we best pray for y'all? Here's what I said. Pray for people that they'll get their heart right with God and straighten up. 
You know why? It's better for everybody. It's better for children. It's better for life. It's better for your life. Some people might say, oh, well, pastor, them are gloating. There's no gloating. We're praying that people will get their heart right with God. Can I get a witness? How many of y'all will pray with me? You say, why? We know the end. The way of the transgressor is soft. The way of the transgressor is great. The way of the transgressor, everything works out. The way of the transgressor, oh, you do that and transgress against God, you're going to be just fine. No, here, listen to me, church. The way of the transgressor is hard. He's almighty to save. He's almighty to sustain. He's almighty to forgive. He's almighty to restore. Then as I close, S, y'all know what that one is? Savior. Luke 2, 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a teacher, an economist, a great leader, a philosopher. Boy, that's all at a high premise today, isn't it? I do think we need to start teaching some real economics. But that's not what this world needs. I'm going to tell you what, if you get the Savior right, I'm going to tell you right now, you'll have the right economics, amen? (laughs) You'll have the right philosophy. If you have the Savior and you're trying to be led by the Holy Spirit of God and you're yielding to Him, you're listening to truth and not not philosophy, not the vain talk of men, but you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and you have the Savior inside of you. You can cut through all that and you can see the real need. What's our greatest need in America? I'm going to tell you, it's Jesus. All of our problems is because we have gotten away from this Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to close. That video that I have of President Roosevelt, the Prime Minister of England in 1941, Winston Churchill, which I think, I don't agree with all of them on everything, but I think both of them are good leaders. But one thing I loved, I went back through the calendar and found out what that day was on in 1941. Christmas Eve. It was on a Wednesday. It was on a Wednesday night. And right before dark, they lit the Christmas tree and they gave that 15-minute speech. And then I found out later, the very next morning, they attended church together, which was Christmas Day. And I thought, wonder what that was on. Certainly that would have to be a Sunday because, man, we only go to church on Christmas now and that's just an iffy if it's on Christmas Day. Guess what? That was on a Thursday. And history tells us that our president in 1941 and the prime minister of New England in 1941 on December the 25th went to church on Christmas Day on a Thursday and 
And on that service, Winston Churchill sang a carol that he had never heard before. O little town of Bethlehem. And he was also given the history of who wrote that hymn, which was Phillips Brooks, who was in Bethlehem many years ago, 1865. On Christmas Eve, they told him where the shepherds were abiding in the field watching their flock by night when the angels came and appeared to them. And so Phillips Brooks went up to that field in 1865 on Christmas Eve in Israel. And as he looked over those fields on that starry night, on that Christmas Eve of what had transpired there many years ago, God inspired him to pen the immortal song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Here's what encouraged me. <laughs> our president and our, the prime minister of England was on church on Christmas Day, and it wasn't a Sunday in 1941. What's Christmas mean to you? How do you spell it? I think we need to put the focus on who needs the focus. Amen. It's Christ. I'm for all the other things. I love having fun with our family. I love doing it all. We're going to do something special tonight if we feel like it. But let's remember Christmas is Christ. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. With head bowed and eyes closed this morning. Boy, we look at all of them, but let's just, truth. How many of y'all are glad you was given Truth. How many of you glad this morning you got saved? Would you just shout amen? Aren't you thankful for that? You was given the truth. So therefore we can give others truth. I'm going to do something a little different this morning. How many of you well, first, let me say this. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I pray, I, I beg you, would you come and we'll have someone take the Bible and show you today how to be saved. You can walk out of here saved. If you're not in the right relationship with the Lord Jesus and you know you're not, look, you come, you ask the Lord to help you, He'll help you. Just make things right today. But I'm going to ask our church, Do you know what would be the greatest Christmas gifts this year? It's for people to get their hearts right. Get their hearts right. How many of you would just come around an altar this morning and just pray with us that people we know, people we love, people maybe we work with, people that we're going to have influence affect our lives. Maybe it's a family member of yours Whatever it is, why don't we pray and ask God to just to speak to them, convict them, and they get their heart right? How many of you head bowed and eyes closed? You know somebody. You love them. You're concerned about them. You love them. You're concerned about them. Would you raise your hand? Why don't you come? Let's find a place and let's ask the Lord. God, get their heart right. Help them. Speak to them. Let them yield to you.
Would you come find a place to pray? Let's pray. If you don't have someone, I've, I've got many. Let's ask him for Christmas. People to get their heart right. Get their heart right. Maybe someone's done gone cold on the Lord. Lord, fire them up. Work in their heart. Get their heart right. Get their heart right. Wouldn't that be a great gift? We could give all the praise to the Lord. See, he worked in their heart.